Good morning, church. Happy Mother's Day. In preparation for today, I was leafing through my shelves looking for ideas, and I came across a book that I haven't looked at in years and years, but some of you will remember it, or at least you'll remember the title. All I Ever Really Needed to Know, I Learned in in Kindergarten. The author of that book was a man named Robert Fulgham, and uh, those of you who read the book or knew of it, you know him as an educator, just these charming stories about life and about life in the classroom, but One of the things that's not well known about Fulgham is that he spent the early years of his career in a pulpit in Washington, and he writes about the experience of Mother's Day. This is what he said. He says, for 25 years of my life, the second Sunday of May was trouble. I was obliged in some way to address the subject of Mother's Day. It couldn't be avoided. Now, the congregation, he said, was quite open-minded and gave me free reign in the pulpit. But when it came to the second Sunday in May, the expectation was summarized in the words of one of the more outspoken women in the church. I'm bringing my mother to church on Mother's Day, Reverend. And you can talk about anything that you want, but it had better include mothers and it had better be good. (laughs) With that in mind, uh, maybe we should pray before we start. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for the chance for us to gather together as a community that are bound not just by an online connection, but, but by a greater awareness of how you're at work in our lives and our families. And as we offer ourselves to you in prayer and as, as we prepare to, to look briefly into your word, we do so awareness in awareness that, that this day allows us also to, to express that sense of gratitude for the gift of life and how much of that gift is wrapped up in the word mother. This morning I pray for all those who carry a burden on this day, or for those who might feel left out or who are in need of healing or comfort. And I pray alongside all those who just simply want to say, thank you. Thank you for our moms. Thank you, God, for the gift of motherhood. We ask it and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, to be clear... Uh, I've never felt the same kind of fear that Robert Fulgham felt about Mother's Day. I look forward to this day. But I wanted to say a word or two about why we make a deal of Mother's Day in the church. It's not because it's a holiday. Uh, And it's not because we get kickbacks from the greeting card industry. It's not just because it's sentimental. It's because it's commanded in the Bible. It's because honoring our mothers is one of the best ways that I know of to be grateful for our own lives, for our very existence. I was thinking again this week about the debt that I owe to my own mother and alongside that, the just the appreciation, the admiration, the sometimes just the wonder, the awe I have as I watch my own wife 
be a mother to our children. And so just personally, I wanted to take a moment to offer a word of thanks, to do so to those two who are so important to to my life, but on your behalf also to to say thank you to the mums among us. In fact, I'd love to start just by doing that. I'm going to invite you to think about your own mum. You've all got one. If you are a mum, and I know this is going to be difficult for some of you, but I'd like to invite you just to receive our thanks. And I know that's not always easy. But everybody, I'm going to invite you as uh, as we spend a few minutes lingering together just to offer your own quiet response to God. So to all of our moms, we want to say thank you for the life that you gave us. Thank you for allowing your bodies to become the shelter in which we were first protected and the, and the gateway through which we entered the world. We want to say thank you for holding us and rocking us and comforting us and, and singing what for most of us were the very first songs that we ever heard. We want to say thank you for seeing potential in us and believing in us, even when we lost the ability to believe in ourselves. Thank you for being willing to endure us when we were not at our best. You took our anger, you took our resentment, you took our indifference. Thank you for knowing our birthdays and our friends' birthdays and our teachers and our favorite foods and and our cherished possessions. Thank you for playing games with us that you really didn't want to play and for watching shows with us that you really didn't want to watch and, and for letting us grow up and be distant and moody sometimes and make our own mistakes and and maybe even move far away and still cheer us on. But maybe most importantly, thank you for for the tears that we never saw and the fears that we never felt and the heartaches that we never knew and the prayers that we never heard. And although it all comes as human gifts come in in an imperfect package, we know that we have received from God one of his greatest and most cherished gifts, a mother's heart. So thank you. And today we don't want to take any of that for granted. Today, as a church, as a family, we want to say from someplace deep within, thank God for moms. No, you don't have to if you don't want to, if it feels awkward, but if you'd like to, if if you have a mother in your midst, uh, you can just, I mean, you can give her a round of applause. You can give her a hug. You can give her breakfast. You can send her a note today. You can get her flowers, if that can be done safely. You can spoil her in all the ways that she deserves. Moms, this is your day. You know, the relationship between a mother and a child, I mean, this thing is... 
It is unique in creation, is it not? I mean, you think about this. On the day that a child is born, we're witnessing not just one new creation, but two new creations. The birthday of a first child is also the birthday of a mother. A mother is born on that day. The baby Jesus gave birth to the mother Mary in the same moment that Mary gave birth to Jesus. These two new miraculous creations emerged in that one event. With every birth, two new lives are born. A baby who is holy without worries and a mother who will never again be without worry. So this year on Mother's Day, I'd love to be able to spend just a few minutes having heard the remarkable testimony of the women among us who've shared their stories of of uh, motherhood and grandmothering and uh, exercising a mother's care in the life of an older adult. But I'd like to explore what I think Jesus might say on a day like this. And that's I know that's always a challenge and maybe a little bit risky to be speculative like that, but... But hear me out. There is this great story in the Bible about a group of moms who grabbed their kids one day and said, we're going to take you to meet Jesus. You find the story in Mark's gospel, in Mark chapter 10. So if you'd like to flip to Mark 10 in your Bibles, you can read along. It starts in verse 13, and it starts this way. It says, people were bringing their little children to Jesus so that he could place his hands on them. Now let's pause right there for a minute. I, I want you to imagine for just a second that you're six years old. I mean, can you still do that? Uh, do you remember what that was like? You had more energy, you had more enthusiasm, maybe more idealism. Some of you had a lot more hair, <laughs> just saying. But imagine this. On that day, mom comes to you and says, there is a great man coming to town. They say he's a prophet. They say he's an incredible teacher. They say he's a miraculous healer and he's coming here and I'm going to take you to meet him. And you've heard, you've heard about him. There's this growing sense of excitement and wonder around him. You heard that, that one day he changed these vast quantities, these huge vats of water into wine. Cool trick, right? And you're thinking in your six-year-old mind, boy, if he could do that, what could he do for me? What would he change me into? Maybe a bird. Maybe I could fly. What's he going to do when he meets me? Something amazing, I hope. And so your mom grabs you and takes you by the hand and, and you go on off down the road and off in the distance you see this huge crowd beginning to form. And you can't quite make out what's being said, but... But it's Jesus speaking. You can hear the passion in his voice. And so you pick up the pace. What's he saying? What am I missing? Am I going to get to fly today? And as you approach the outskirts of the crowd, something happens. This is verse 13. But the disciples rebuked them. Imagine for a second what it looks like. Jesus' disciples have formed this protective circle around him while he's teaching. You can imagine them with their secret service sunglasses, talking on their wireless headsets and radioing each other, form a defensive perimeter. Nobody gets to Jesus, especially those unruly kids. 
And so, once again, from the disciples, you hear the message that, that kids are all too accustomed to hearing. We're sorry, this isn't for you. This is too important. We're too busy. There's not time for everyone. And, and after all, you're just a kid. But notice what happens next. Verse 14. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. Now stop for just a second and think about that. I mean, aren't you just a little bit upset with the disciples? What were they thinking? I mean, when has Jesus ever seemed rushed? When did he not have time for people? Aren't they out of line? Where are their priorities? Don't you wish they could be more like us, with our priorities perfectly in line when it comes to our kids, our grandchildren, our neighbors' children, our promised land kids and acorn kids in the church, our youth group kids? I mean, maybe on second thought, the disciples are actually pretty normal. Maybe that's how many of us would have responded. Maybe, and this is the good news. Maybe Jesus is the exceptional one. Because his response, it just, it goes against everything that people expected. And maybe we can learn from that. When Jesus saw this, the Gospel of Mark says, he was indignant. Fancy word in the Bible for Boy, he was just hopping mad. Jesus got angry. And when somebody gets angry, you learn a little bit about them, don't you? You see what it is they really care about because something important to them has just been violated. And so there's Jesus with his eyes filled with indignation, looking out at the disciples. And this is what he says. Let the children come. Let the little children come to me. Don't hinder them. Notice the emphasis here. It's a double command. Let them come and don't hinder them. Don't do anything to get in their way. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. So there you are in the crowd. I mean, this six-year-old, you're thrilled. Because look what just happened. This huge reversal just went down. A moment ago, you were being scolded by the guard dogs And now Jesus is rebuking the ones who were scolding you. And you, you're a six-year-old. You just love it, right? And then Jesus, I mean, here's what happens next. He stops for a moment. He catches everyone's attention. And when he's sure that everyone in the crowd is listening, all eyes are on him. This is what he says. Truly, I tell you, that anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God, and then he looks at you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it. And look what he does next. He picks that child up in his arms and he places his hands on him. He places his hands on her and he blesses them. Put yourself in the crowd again. You run towards him. He grabs you. He he throws you up into the air. And you laugh as he catches you coming down. He places his arms all the way around you. wraps you in tight. And he holds you warm. And then he prays for God's richest blessing in your life. 
So with that story as a backdrop, what might Jesus want to say on a day like today? Well, with, with his words, with his example, might he talk about these three things, these three gifts? Let me just leave them with you and let you mull them over. The first is the gift of time. Jesus had time. He had time for kids. And let me be the first to say that uh, this isn't easy. None of us would say that this is simple. We live in a culture that is just about as busy as the world has ever seen. I mean, those, those crude first century folks, they didn't have to deal with, with cell phones and emails and, and test scores and, and children's lessons. They didn't have the kind of pressing job descriptions that we have. Really, Jesus only had one thing on his to-do list. Just reconcile the whole world to God. That's all. I mean, his job descriptions go. That's, well, that's about as big as they come, isn't it? And yet somehow, Jesus never seems rushed. He never seems hurried. He stops what he's doing. And here he stops to make time specifically for kids. And so maybe if that, if that strikes a chord in you, you just want to pray with me today. God, by your spirit, by your spirit, somehow, just please give me more physical and, and mental energy, more emotional bandwidth to invest into the life of my family. Maybe that's where it starts, with the gift of time. Jesus gave time, but not just that, he gave something else. And this is the second gift. He touched them. I mean, he could have spoken to them from a distance. Instead, he invites them right up close and he places his arms around them and he folds them into his lap. He offers them the gift of touch. Isn't that what we're missing so, so very much these days? It's just not the same, is it? Me looking at a camera 12 feet away and having to imagine the people that I so wish I could see and then touch and know. When you read the scriptures, you see the power of touch. You see that God reaches out. He touches Jeremiah. He gives him the power to speak. Isaiah has this wonderful image of God taking us right by the hand and speaking encouragement to us. Don't be afraid, it says in Isaiah 41. Don't be afraid. I have you by the hand, and I'm here to help you. Or maybe Jesus, Jesus who heals a leper, but he, he doesn't just do that with, with words. I'm sure he could have. What does he do? He reaches out his arms. He puts his hands on him, and he touches him. When nobody else will come close, Jesus gets up really close. And what's he saying with that? Jesus is saying, you matter. You matter and we accept you. We accept you and we love you. Isn't he saying the same thing when he places his hands on those children? You matter. In a world that assigns very little status or value to children, in the ancient world, he says to them, you matter and you are loved with a love that is unbreakable. 
So I guess my question for us today as a church is, do kids get to hear that from us? Do they hear it from you? Do they hear it from the church that you matter? That your life has significance and weight and purpose and we believe in you and we cheer you on and we love you. And, and I just want to say that I know that there are heroes among us that do that. They do it in their own homes, single moms and working moms and stay-at-home moms, adopted moms and foster moms. And, and let's just say there's no small amount of dads either, but your day comes next month. There are grandparents stepping across a generation to raise their grandchildren. And then there are those among us who are stepping out to work with that wider family of kids in the life of the church, with acorns and promised land and youth ministry, working with kids that aren't even your own. You're getting nothing in return except the satisfaction of knowing that God is working through you to say what those kids should always hear. You matter. You belong to us. And if that's you making those investments, thank you. Thank you for offering the gift of touch. Here then is the last thing that Jesus gives. He gives his time, he gives his touch, but then what is it that he does? He gives them to God. He prays for them. And I'll say this, just a little bit of self-disclosure. Sometimes I feel absolutely clueless as a parent. And you would think I'd figured it out by now. I have a 22-year-old, an almost 20-year-old, a 16-year-old who just got his driver's license on Monday. Way to go, Josh. Stay clear of our neighborhood, people. (laughs) But there are days when I still have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just trying to figure it out day by day. But here's what I will say. Uh, I think that one of the secrets to parenting, are you ready? You have your pens out. (laughs) One of the secrets to parenting, here it is. They're not mine. They're not mine. As much as I want to protect and provide and And I love my kids. They have a parent who is so much greater than I will ever be. And who loves them more than I will ever love them. And ultimately, they don't just need me and they don't just need their mother. They need God in their lives. They need Jesus. Before he let them go, Jesus prayed for those kids. I hope you'll do that today. As we celebrate Mother's Day, let's let's honor them by honoring the way that they have followed the example of Jesus. I mean, here a little imitation goes a long way. Let's follow their example too. By investing time and giving the gift of touch and by giving them to God. Let's do that now. Let's pray together. We cry out to you, Heavenly Father, using the intimate language of family, Heavenly Father. 
and within the bonds of that family relationship, we acknowledge that that you have seeded into the very design of creation of what it means to be human, a rich reminder of who you are. And we love with the love of a parent. Something in us, in however small and paltry a way, is reflecting the love of God as our Heavenly Father. And on this day, when we when we honor parental love, when we say thank you, God, for the rich gift of a mother's heart, we want to lift them up to you and and pray that there would be something in this day that will bring them a burst, a surprise, a gift of joy. And as we honor the kids that they have loved and cared for so well, we we also want to lift them before you and and say in our prayers and and in our actions that they matter, that they are precious, that we want to love them in ways that are timely and touch-oriented, but most of all by holding them up and say, God, will you watch over them? Will you bless them? Will you protect them? Will you bring into their life all of the rich possibility that was seeded into them the moment they were created? God, would you do that? We give you praise. We give you worship. In Jesus' name, amen.